Hello, everyone. Welcome back to English with Kaya. This is Kaya. English with Kaya is a podcast in which I talk in comprehensible English about various interesting topics. Today we have a guest with us, and her name is Guzal. Hi, Guzal. Hi, Kaya. Guzal and I became friends recently after I came to Uzbekistan. And Guzal is originally from Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And today she will be talking to us about her life here and in Japan. So, without further ado, let's begin. Guzal, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Kaya. It's my pleasure. So, first of all, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Um, sure. So, as you said, Kaya, I was originally born in Uzbekistan. And then um, and during high school, I went to the U.S. as an exchange student. Um, after that, I came back to Uzbekistan, graduated my bachelor's here, got my master's as well, and then went to Japan for to continue my graduate studies. Um, and after that, I've been in Japan for about 12 years now. Um, and now my life is... Uh, some part of it is in Japan and some part of it is in Uzbekistan. So I'm curious to know what made you decide to go and live in Japan? You know, that's a very good question. Um, and the answer is a bit long, but I'll try to explain. Uh, so after I went to US, uh, it was very different experience for me. The culture, people, lifestyle, it was very different from Uzbekistan. And um, after coming back to Uzbekistan, I started uh, looking for myself, uh, trying to see what my values are, who am I, and what, what is it that, what is the place that uh, I like, or where would I want to live? And um, then I also realized that there are some cultural values in Uzbekistan that resonate with me. And I thought maybe this is more Asian values. So I, I started thinking about, is there a country, Asian country, that is highly developed, like Japan, uh, you know, and like US, um, but also keeps the values that are close to my heart, you know. And then um, some of my friends have been to Japan, and I've also studied Japanese for a year when I was in high school before going to the US. So uh, those friends told me about Japan and I thought, wow, it's, it sounds very interesting. So maybe I should go and try. And um, I won a scholarship to go to Japan. It was uh, Ministry of Education, uh, Culture, Sports and Technology Scholarship. It was for two years and it was a great opportunity because everything was covered. Uh, transportation was covered, living expenses, there was stipend. Um, and it was great university as well. I checked Vasedi University online. I fell in love with it. Um, and um, I, I took the chance. That That's a long story of me, uh, of why I went, to, I decided to go to Japan. You mentioned that there were some like values that are close to your heart that you felt were similar between Japan and Uzbekistan. Exactly what kind of values are they? Um. So, you know, it's a little different, difficult to put, uh, to put a finger on it, to be honest, but I'll try to explain. Um, I think uh, something like respect for elderly in Uzbekistan, it's very strong. And I didn't see that in the US and it's not good or bad, but I did realize this is something that's important for me, you know, respecting those people's knowledge, wisdom, experience in life. And, and I did see that in Japan. 
Um, and also now living in Japan longer, I do realize that it's also similar with Uzbekistan that um, there are some things that are unspoken, but people do understand from the context, from, from previous experience, from trying to read the air, like read the room, you know, and it's also very similar in Uzbekistan when sometimes you don't say things directly. And again, I'm not saying one is good or one is bad, but now I do understand that these things were important for me and these things to some extent I do enjoy. And I guess these were the values that um, attracted me to Japan as well. When you th- said talking, um, reading the air, I think you were talking about high context cultures. We have high context and low context cultures and high context cultures are cultures like you know Japan, Uzbekistan or Korea, where you are expected to read the context and read the air and not say everything in detail. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's not like people always hide or intentionally don't say what they want to say. I think sometimes it's just complexity of feelings of our thoughts that it's a bit difficult for them to express themselves, you know? So when you try to read the air, uh, read the room, you kind of bring that empathy into the room, trying to understand what might be going on uh, in those people's minds, in their hearts, you know? And for me, it's part of kindness, you know? So, uh, yeah. And I know I'm I'm saying this like the third time, it's not like one is good or one is bad. I also really do appreciate in Western cultures, you know, this directness, it's, uh, you don't leave any questions, right? Like communication is pretty easy and there is little room for miscommunication or misunderstanding because everything is spelled out and that's also very efficient. But I think through my experience in Uzbekistan and Japan as well, I also see how, Uh, you can deliver kindness through trying to think what these people are going through and not thinking that they're trying to manipulate you by hiding something or not telling something directly, but maybe it's also their journey of trying to figure out their own feelings, their own emotions, and even their opinions, you know? Those are very deep thoughts and uh, analyses of people's emotions. And Guzal, you mentioned the similarities between Japan and Uzbekistan. In your opinion, what are some big differences between these two countries? Um, One thing is rules, for example. Uh, In Japan, people follow rules so strictly. It's it's always by the rule. You know, you you get amazed sometimes. You're like, oh my gosh, this is not logical. Why are you doing this? But the, the answer is usually these are the rules. You know, so um, and it really helps a lot, actually. You know, like trains are almost always on time. You don't worry about things. They just give you a list of what you need to do, like in anywhere, and you just need to follow the list, and your job will be done. You know. And this is in a big contrast with Uzbekistan, <laughs> because in Uzbekistan, there are some rules, but they're not, you know, you can cha- they can be changed and rules change a lot as well. Um, I also think it's because Uzbekistan is a developing country. So a lot of things are just being shaped right now. You know, this is why change is constant in, in Uzbekistan right now. Um, but yeah, uh, I think this is one of the biggest differences for me is, is how people uh, see um, rules, for example. Another big difference, I think, is in values. Uh, and 
uh, this is something I understood after I have been living in Japan for some time, you know. In Japan, work is extremely important and people put work even more uh, on a higher priority than they, themselves or their families or... And this is very surprising for me coming from Uzbek background where family is the most important thing. With my life experience, now I realize that you should be, you yourself should be the most important thing in your life. You know, it's not about sacrificing, but uh, these are the big ex- uh, differences that I observed uh, so far. I agree with you on both those points that uh, the people's understanding of rules and priorities are very different in Japan and Uzbekistan. And talking about differences, what kinds of culture shock did you experience when you first went to Japan? Uh, That's a very good question. You know, I think my first culture shock was in the airport, actually, because you come in and everyone, like, I saw a huge group of people just running, you know. And um, even now when I go to Tokyo, Tokyo is a very busy city, you, you can feel it in the air, like the tension, how people are stressed, how they're busy, how everyone is running everywhere. And Tokyo is a huge city, right? Yeah, so I think this was one of my biggest culture shocks. In a positive way, though, a lot of good culture shock. There, there, there was a lot of positive culture shock in Japan as well. Like you can trust people in Japan a lot. Um, you would not expect anyone to cheat, you know? Like there are a lot of stories when people forget their... Uh, wallets, for example, somewhere, and then they they find it untouched, you know. Um, so, and also that people are very polite in Japan. They try to choose words very carefully not to upset you and um, try to sometimes not say directly to you, not to upset you. So th- those were some of the things that I found very interesting in Japan. So speaking about your uh, life in Japan, 12 years, which is a very long time, actually. What, uh, besides being a student, what kind of work have you done there professionally? I've done a lot of things, but I think I'm just going to highlight the, the, the biggest ones, right? I, when I was a graduate student, I was working part-time as an English instructor, a seminar instructor, executive uh, English teacher, corporate uh, English teacher. So English was one of the things that helped me a lot. Um, I also worked as a camp counselor in outdoor camp organizing company. After that, I was HR manager. I uh, worked as a um, translator, as a writing uh, consultant. I wrote articles about Japan, actually. Yeah. And well, recently what I'm doing is coaching. I found coaching in 2018 um, when uh, Brett Heckman, um, he, back then he was CEO of New York Peace Institute. He came to Japan to give his uh, workshop about uh, med- mediation and uh, a lot of uh, his, a lot in his workshop actually touched coaching and getting in the middle and empowering people to find their own solutions and that really resonated with me. And I uh, was excited for the next six months. That, that was the only thing I could talk about. Uh, but then I also realized this is something I am really interested in and I want to do in my life. So what I'm doing right now is coaching people. Uh, coaching people is basically helping people find themselves um, by asking them questions, not telling them what to do, but just asking them questions so that they can figure out more about themselves and what they want and what they need and how to how to go further in their lives. So you have a very long career 
in Japan. And what advice do you have for people who might be interested in going to Japan to live for the long term, either as a student or as a, a working professional? I think it's important to know yourself、uh, because Japan is a very specific country. And what I mean by that is, for example, in Uzbekistan,、uh, you're always surrounded by people most of the time. You know, you are almost never alone. In Japan,、uh, especially if you're a foreigner, it's, foreigners are only 2% of the whole population in Japan. So you, you constantly need to be、um, aware of creating your own network. You know?、um, it's cultural as well, I think, but ja-、uh, becoming friends with Japanese people is possible, of course. But there is also this notion of like uchi and soto, like inner circle and outer circle. And a lot of for- foreigners. Tend to stay in the outer circle, you know, for different reasons, not because, you know, it's very hard to go in, but just because maybe they don't understand or language differences, you know, or, or just it's a new culture, different culture. I'm afraid of it, you know. So、um, I think the most important thing, if you want to go to Japan, know why you're doing it, you know, because if you don't know your goal, if you don't know why you're going there, you might get confused a little bit and it might be hard for you, actually. You know, so if you're the kind of person who doesn't mind being not involved too much, I guess, not、uh, part of the group, if you're very individualistic, if online communication is good enough for you, you know, and it, also if、um, you, there is something about Japan that excites you a lot, like you're interested in culture, in, in something else about Japan, you know. Then, then this could be the right place for you.、Um, but I also think you know, it's not just about Japan, it's about a lot of other places too. And I guess the last thing is be aware of the culture's impact on you as well. Because, as I said, generally everyone is workaholic there, and、uh, it would impact you as well. If you're not someone who defines yourself as workaholic or if you don't want to be, One, then you need to be constantly mindful, you know, and, and also not to become resistant to the society because you, it's only 2% of people. You, you can't change the whole society, right? So you, you need to be balancing、uh, yourself within this society as well. That's an interesting thought. I never realized that Japanese people are so workaholic. I guess I, I grew up in Japan and I am Japanese, so I never really realized、uh, the, what was so obvious there. And as、um, a Japanese person coming from Japan, I'm curious to know what you think are the things that Japan could improve in the future in a good way from a purely objective perspective. What can Japan do to become an even better? Country that is comfortable to live in, not just for Japanese people, but also for people from all over the world. I'm asking this because Japan is currently taking in immigrants, which it was not doing before, including families from the Ukraine. And I think it's important for Japanese people to be aware how they can make the environment more comfortable for everyone.、Mm-hmm. You know, that's honestly, I think that's a million dollar question. And also, There are a lot of different ways, and I'm not an expert. I, I should、uh, say that upfront.、Um, but I also, in my graduate study, I、uh, studied migration to Japan. That was my topic for my PhD. And、um, yeah, I, 
I think some of it would, would be coming from my own experience as well and not as a researcher or as a scholar. But Japan, I think, needs to realize that foreigners are going to be coming, you know, just that accepting this and then preparing for that is very important. Because right now it seems like just because foreigners are only 2% of the population, it seems like nothing. But also demographic situation in Japan is the low birth rates. And, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, professions that need people right now. And they're just empty, you know, high paying positions as well. Um, The biggest uh, shortage right now in the labor market is among low-paid workers and the high-paid workers, you know, like IT and stuff, for example. So I think simply realizing that, accepting the fact that, okay, we would need to be welcoming foreigners anyway, because it doesn't seem that demographic situation is going to change in the recent years, and preparing for that on higher levels is very important. And also, I live in Tokyo, so... I don't see that that much. I think there are a lot of foreigners in Tokyo. Most of the foreigners, I think, are accumulated in Tokyo. But in other places, you know, just raising people's awareness about different cultures, different worldviews, you know, might help as well. And also every country has something to improve. You know, it's not just Japan. And I don't want to say like, this is good or this is bad. But if you asked me, I think this would be something that I would love to see that just accepting that, okay, we would, we need foreigners and making things so that it would be comfortable for people to come and live there for long-term as well. You know, so as a human being, you don't feel like you're only welcome there as a guest, right? Because if you're there long-term, it becomes part of your life anyway, especially for people who live there like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's their life already. They're not guests for 30 years somewhere, right? So having this a little bit more humanistic approach to immigration, I think would help a lot. So just maybe changing the mentality a little bit and kind of thinking of non-Japanese people, not simply as visitors, but also as part of society. That's a very valuable piece of advice. And uh, moving on, um, this is a question about you, Guzel. I know that you speak four languages fluently, Uzbek, Russian, you're completely bilingual in these two languages. And you also know English like as a native speaker. And also your Japanese is very good. So this is my question to you. What is your advice to people who are studying English? How did you become fluent in all of these languages? You know, I think it's a very uh, good question as well. And we, I think we both have taught uh, English before, right? So I think we, we both have our own ways. Um, I personally, for me, I, I think, first of all, you need to understand what kind of learner you are, you know, because if I give one advice from my own experience that worked for me, I'm one, one type of learner, you know. Um, but first of all, you need to understand what kind of what kind of learner you are and what works for you. You know, something that works for me might be boring, uninteresting, ineffective for someone else, right? So try to understand more about yourself, like not just language, any any other things. When you learn new things, what's the fun way for you to learn? How did you learn them more efficiently, right? Um, so start from there, I think. Know yourself first. Once you know yourself, know your strengths and you know your weaknesses, and then see how you, what you can do to help yourself to grow in the weakness as well, but also utilizing your strength. You know, don't forget that you also have strength. Like 
my own example is I'm really good at reading and write, at writing. My weaker points in any language is actually listening, um, which is also very interesting because in Japanese, it was quite opposite. In Japanese, my listening is pretty high and pretty good. And my reading is lower because, you know, it's J Chinese characters and it takes more time to, to remember and understand what's going on. But with English, it's pretty easy, I think, in the, in the reading part. Um, another uh, advice that I can give, I think, is create uh, environments for yourself when it's necessary for you to use English, right? So, for example, if it's listening... Um, try to watch more movies or if you're interested in movies again or music listen to music uh, if you're interested in music but help yourself learn in in the ways that you know will help you right if you, you're not so good at reading like try to find books that you really enjoyed reading in your own language and read them in English to help yourself, you know, be interested and also understand. Or if you enjoy reading completely new things, try doing that, you know. Um, and also be open to change. Like, try this thing. If it doesn't work, don't give up. Try a different thing. And you will get there. Like, with languages, it's not always like you do something one day and tomorrow you'll see the result. Give yourself some time to show results. Right. So don't don't push yourself too hard and enjoy the process. Brilliant. That those are amazing pieces of advice. And I'm sure that they will be very helpful to anyone who is studying English. So know yourself, know what kind of learner you are, enjoy the process and create these opportunities for yourself. All right. So finally, Guzel, can you give us some closing remarks in Uzbek? Mm -hmm, sure. Um, Bugun hamilege mana gaplarimni eshitganingiz uchun katta rahmat. Umid qilamanki, bu sizlarga yordam beradi. Mana kamtar tajribam sizlarga hayotingizda yordam bersa, men juda ham xursand bo'lardim. Agar savolingiz yoki yana boshqa narsalarni savolingiz bo'lsa yoki boshqa narsalarga qiziqadigan bo'lsangiz, bemalol men bilan bog'lansangiz bo'ladi. Hozir qaya e-mailim ham yetarli. Men Slablan, Mulokat Kalishke, Kalishke, Jam for some Bogan Bolabam. Kayas is Gam Kotrahmat. Kotrahmat, Gazal. Thank you, Gazal. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us. If you would like to get in touch with Gazal, ask her some questions, you can send her an email at Gazal, that's G U Z A L, coach. C-O-A-C-H at gmail.com If you have any comments, please also uh, follow and comment on the Instagram page english.with.kaya Everyone, see you soon in the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Bye!